temple. Preacher, you come on. He'll be a blessing to you. He's no stranger here. You pray for him. I'll tell you like I said last night. I believe it was last night or this morning. I said, you pray for these preachers like you would want them to pray for you if it was your turn to preach. Amen. And if you've ever been up behind the pulpit, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. 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 Appreciate you. Bless you, brother. Is that my water? Yes, sir. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. If we'd listen to that song that was sung earlier in the congregation, I know my name is there. And if we did that scripturally, there would have probably been some rejoicing in the house of the Lord. Because Jesus said, if you know your name's written down in heaven, that we're to rejoice. Amen. He said, if you know it. He didn't say if you feel it. He said, if you know it. He said, you ought to rejoice. And we're so used to that song that we, uh, we could utter the words of that song without even thinking about it. And I wonder if, if maybe we weren't guilty of that earlier of singing the words and, uh, and with lacking the worship. Amen. God help us. Amen. I wonder if it would make a difference in our song service if we did what the scripture says about singing as unto the Lord. Singing as, un, as unto the Lord. Uh, that would be just if he was standing there in front of you and you're singing directly to it. Sometimes we sing about him. But I think you'll go to another level if you start singing to him. Without a doubt. Amen. Let's open our Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. And we'll do our best to try to preach what God has laid upon our heart. And uh, it's an honor tonight to not only be here again in this pulpit. And preacher, thank you for the gracious opportunity of coming and standing here in this pulpit. I don't take that lightly. And, uh, and also I'm honored tonight to be able to preach with uh, probably one of the greatest heroes in my life, uh, Brother Wells. And Brother Wells uh, married me and my wife. Uh, she was out of his church. And he also preached my ordination service. So he's been a big, big part of, our, of my ministry. And uh, actually, even before uh, there was anything going about uh, my wife now, Alicia, uh, in 81 I got saved, and uh, me and Brother Ricky Campbell, a young preacher, and I did, I mean, I'm talking about the year I got saved, <coughs> and the year I surrendered to preach, we took an old canvas tent, uh, it wasn't big enough for nothing, but we still couldn't pack it out, but anyway, uh, we went to, to Newport with it, and if there's any place on God's earth that needs a tent meeting, is Newport, say amen right there. And uh, you have to sleep with a Bible and a shotgun. So, <clears throat> and the shotguns, in case you couldn't recall the verse of Scripture, you might need to quote, but um, literally. But anyway, uh, this, Brother Wells, never met him before, and me and Brother Campbell walked up on the porch and knocked on his door, and he came to the door, never seen him before. And here's two young preachers, and I don't know how long Brother Campbell been saved, but I mean, I had just gotten saved that year in, in January, and that was probably June, wasn't it? It, it was July of that same year. So you know, uh, I was very wet behind the ears still. And, but he, he gave us a chance. Calvary Baptist Tabernacle backed and supported that meeting. 
And uh, just, I mean, probably half what I preach wasn't even in the Bible, but, but he, gave us a, he gave us a chance, and, uh, you know, and said, well, he looked over, you know, winked at our ignorance. And, uh, but he's been a big part in Sister Wales. Uh, we would go over as often as we could to her, their house, and we would eat with them, and, and uh, watermelon, oh, my stars. But he's I'm going around the world there, but he's been a big part of our ministry. And, uh, and I'm thankful to even be able to be in a service with him and preach with him, and, and I'm glad I'm going first. Amen. Second Kings chapter number 4, verse number 1, the Bible says... Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house, or in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels. And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stay. Let's bow for, well, verse 7, we've got to read that, and then we'll pray. Verse 7, Then she came and told the man of God, And he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. I would ask you to pray for us tonight as well as with us, all right? Our fathers, we bow before you in Jesus' name. I realize where I stand tonight. And apart from your help, apart from the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, the enablement of the Holy Ghost, Lord, this would be a tragedy tonight. Lord, there's nothing that I could say humanly that will meet any needs, challenge any hearts, and certainly would not give you any glory. But I know, Lord, that if we labor tonight under the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the leadership, the guidance, and the direction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that your will can be accomplished. We pray that you'll challenge our hearts tonight. Stir us, Lord, as only you can. We need revival. Lord, we have our doctrine right in churches such as I'm standing here in tonight. Lord, it's not what we believe that would be the problem. But Lord, our heart, there's a distance 
in our heart. There's a coldness in our heart. Lord, there's a, a lack of interest, Lord, in what interests you. And I pray you deal with us tonight. Speak to us. Speak to me. Speak through me tonight for your glory and what you do tonight. We'll thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm interested as our focus and we'll head in that direction. In verse number 6, I'll read the verse again. And it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said unto her sons, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. I would like to take uh, those four words and use tonight as our thought and our, the burden of my heart. Not a vessel more. Not a vessel more. And we know that in the scriptures that vessels, the word vessel is used many times, several times even in the New Testament to talk about you. Your body as a vessel. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse number 2 and following. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus... For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, when God was communicating through Ananias to the uh, would-be apostle Paul, uh, he said to him, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he, told about Paul, the apostle, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 verse 19 and following. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Uh, So the word vessel could not only just represent you and your person, your body, but also it could represent uh, your Uh, What you have to offer God. What you have that God can use. And we have in our text tonight a, I believe, a challenging story. I I have preached for uh, 38 and a half years and I had never preached from this text of Scripture until about uh, two, two and a half weeks ago. And I preached the message uh, from these verses in a revival meeting. 
And it has stirred and challenged my heart. It's very simple, but I hope that God will speak to us as we so desperately need Him to do tonight. So we're just going to start in verse number 1 and just kind of build our way up to verse 6 and 7. I want you to notice with me as we focus our attention on this certain woman. The first thing that I want to point out tonight is her dilemma. And I'll say according to verse number 1, she was definitely experiencing a heart-wrenching, indescribable dilemma. Look at verse number 1 again, if you will. Now there cried uh, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bond. So when she begins to express and define and detail her dilemma tonight, she starts first with her spouse. She identifies uh, something that none of us would ever want or invite, and that is for our spouse to die. But she said as she came to Elisha, and she said, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Now, I'm going to try my best to not get hung up tonight on uh, uh, digging out what she said about her husband. But I do want to emphasize tonight that she said that he has died. That she, he is dead. That meat was leaving her as a widow. That is leaving her now as a, a single parent with two sons. Oh, yes, she is definitely in a dilemma. Uh, She depended on him, no doubt, to uh, take care of a lot of things around the house and to provide uh, for the home and so forth. Well, now the provider is no longer. And it is evident by the Scripture that there was a debt involved because the creditor uh, is also involved. But I I want you to see something here. She comes to Elisha and she's pointing out uh, the spirituality of her husband. She came, listen now, she came to Elisha the prophet and she said, Thy servant. She points out his servitude. She points out that her husband was a servant. Not only to, but with God's man. Uh, Here's a lady that measured largely the spirituality of her husband, amen, by his relationship and attitude toward the preacher. Whoa! Are you listening? In fact, if you'll notice, before she ever identifies him as her husband, she said, thy servant. She put a hand, and don't we believe the Bible's in order? That nothing's just thrown in there by happenstance. Uh, uh, This lady here said, thy servant, and then she said, my husband. Uh, She said, it's more important that I point out his spirituality or his servitude more so than his spousalship. 
I'm glad he's my husband. It's almost like she's saying, but most glad that he was not only just my husband, but he was a servant. He was spiritual. I would like to ask the men in here tonight. Can your wife give a spiritual testimony in your behalf? Do you have a spiritual testimony in your home? Amen. Are y'all listening? I mean, the man's supposed to be the spiritual leader in the house. Is that not right? He's supposed to be the high priest in your home. That's right. And so here's a lady that is giving a commendation and an affirmation that her husband wasn't a fake at the house. Oh, boy. That he was the real deal, that she witnessed his life and, and that he was right with God's man and that he was a servant and that he, of course, was her spouse. Now, I want, Lord, give this to me this morning. I, I want you to get this. Now, she's coming. Her husband's dead. She's coming to Elisha on behalf of her dilemma. You, you'd have to see that. She's coming to Elisha, and I'll elaborate on that a little bit more in a little bit. But I think, Brother Wells, that it's very interesting that she comes to Elisha for help about her dilemma, but she's using her husband's spirituality before he died as seemingly the grounds for getting some help. And here's the point God wanted me to just mention tonight, and I hope it stirs you as it has been stirring in my heart throughout the day. And that is the spirituality of your life may go beyond the grave. The spiritual life that you have and the servitude that you have before you leave this world may go on and help your family in the days to come. What God did through Elisha was because Elisha knew. She even said, thou knowest. Elisha, thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. You know my husband, man of God. Amen. And so what ended up happening in this passage, no doubt was connected and rooted in the spirituality and the realness of her husband before he died, while he was alive. It does matter how you live. I believe that there's, there, there's very much uh, difficulty involved in trying to reach a lot of kids today in church. Because they see mom and daddy differently at home than they do at church. Say amen right there. I've had them to tell me. I had one in particular tell me, preacher, if what, if what mom and daddy's got is, is what I'm supposed to have, I don't want it. When the parents are living a life that contradicts the preaching, the preacher will find it difficult to ever reach that girl or that boy. Oh, yes, we're having a good time already. 
But I just thought that was interesting when she come with her plea and she came to present her case to God's man. She did not boast of her spirituality, though she did identify her servitude as well. Thine handmaid. She identified herself humbly as, and, and submitted herself in that term to Elisha, God's man. And she said, thine handmaid. In verse number 2, thy handmaid. She identified herself. So her dilemma uh, could not be over-exaggerated tonight of the grief and the uncertainty and the unanswered questions just because... Her husband is no longer in the house and now she is having to deal with the whole situation. But not only did her dilemma uh, was seen in the fact that her husband was dead and, and not only was he dead but that personal spirituality and service that would come from him and through him was no longer in the house either. Amen. But we're going to find that this woman did not collapse. You better make sure that your spirituality is not dependent on other people. You Listen, no one person can be spiritual enough for two people. You better know tonight that, listen, nobody else can carry you spiritually. Your man of God, I esteem him high in the Lord. He is not spiritual enough to carry you. Amen. But that's happening everywhere. Preachers are having to carry a few other choice people in the church are having to carry the spirituality of the church. And then when they either die or they get sick or God moves them elsewhere, that spirituality is sucked out of that church because nobody else was focusing on their spiritual life. Oh, mercy. I'm trying to stay sweet. But now she goes not from her, from her spouse, she goes to her sons. She said, not only have I lost my husband, but I'm on the verge of losing my two sons to slavery. They're going to be bondmen. The creditor is come. He didn't say the creditor's going to come, might come, threatening to come. It said in that passage, the creditor is come. That makes a difference, don't it? And he's come for a reason. To take my two sons to be bondmen. And that would leave her with nothing. Wouldn't you agree with me that that's, I believe, a a dilemma? Uh, Secondly, notice just briefly, I'm going to hit it and move on. But verse number one identifies her desperation. She is in not just a dilemma, but she's bothered by it she's upset about it she's doing something about it and the bible said now there cried a certain one well jimbo that word cried there identifies a a a cry aloud for help of an inexpressible grief that could not be articulated with words hurting beyond expression Not knowing what I'm going to do. Hopeless and helpless. of Looking like I'm going to lose everything. My husband's gone to death and my sons are gone to debt. It looks like I'm going to lose everything. So her dilemma. 
Her desperation. Thirdly, I like this, her direction. She could have sat down at the house, got in a back room somewhere, and had a pity party. Hoping somebody would feel sorry for me. And boy, her circumstance was something to be felt sorry for. Amen. Our hearts would have been moved in her behalf. I promise you, we would have probably been digging in our pockets, amen, to have come up with a love offering to try to help her out. Her direction, she sought direction in her desperation. When she was down, she didn't look that as a reason for her to get down and quit, but rather buckle down and do something. And, and she said, I'm not quitting. Quitting's not going to fix it. Quit. Why is it that quitting is always seemingly the first option? As soon as you get your back against the wall and, and a difficulty comes in your life, and amen, the, you go through your mouth, I'm just going to quit. I think I'll just resign. I think I'll walk away. But listen, her direction was, listen to this. I wrote this down. She did not let her sorrowful and stressful times drive her to the world to live after the flesh, but rather she let her hurts drive her toward her help. Amen. She was honest about her situation. She never exaggerated it, but she never belittled it. She told the truth. Amen. And she comes to the man of God. Listen, she comes to God's man. Present the case to her, uh, to him. And here's what he said to her in verse 2. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Boy, do you see the heart of a man of God right there. You know what the heart of a man of God is right there? To help you. I wouldn't have a preacher of two minutes preaching to me or my family that did not have enough heart to help me that he would not deal with error and he would not deal with a direction that's questionable. Amen. I thank God if your preacher will call you aside and point some out some concerns about a direction you're going in or your family's going in. I wouldn't have that. But Elisha said, how can I help you? She knew that in her hurt, she knew that in her devastation, she knew that in her dilemma, I need to go to somebody that can give me some spiritual, scriptural counsel. Amen. And she went to Elisha because she knew he would not beat around the bush, but that he would tell her the truth. Amen. Now don't go to an Elisha for help and then get mad when he does give you the message. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what shall I do for thee? God equips God's men to help God's people. You ought to include your preacher. Now, this is a little sideline rabbit, but you, you ought to include your preacher. If you've got confidence in him, he's God's man. Amen. He discerns the direction from God. You need to include him. Not that he's trying to be a lord over God's heritage. Not that he wants to control your life. He's depressed enough. But that, he, that you would concern him or consider him and what he prays about, what he thinks, what he discerns about various matters in your life. 
There's nothing wrong with when you're praying about a job change. To, to preach a pray for me about this, if you would. I'm, I'm looking at a promotion. I'm putting in for another job. Whatever. Help me pray about it, preacher. And, you, you know, young people, you're getting, you, you, you know, you're considering a companion. There's nothing wrong with asking your preacher. Preacher, what do you think about this? What do you, what do you think about that? That girl or that boy, whatever the case is, do you know their preacher? Do you know their mom and dad? Do you know anything on them or can you find out anything? And it's amazing how God's man can find out some things. <sighs> but her direction was she went to God's man. Now watch this. Watch this. Now we're building up. The message is going to be short, but we're building up. When God's, here was God's message. Here was God's man's message after he asked the question, what shall I do for thee? What is thou in thine house? Oh, now wait a minute, preacher. Wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. I know I'm in a hard place here. I know I'm in a fix. But now you're getting a little too personal. You want to know what I got in my house? What's what I've got in my house got to do with my problem? My sons are about to go into slavery and my husband is six feet under and you're worried about what's in my house? Can you hear that? Can you hear that liberal thought line? You up here preaching on things and the world's going to hell? <laughs> Oh my. What is thou in the house? But you don't find any argument. You don't find her getting upset. You don't find her rebelling. You don't find her questioning the man of God. Amen. If God's man was asking what's in your house, he's got a reason for it. Amen. If God's man's asking what's in the house, listen, you ought to think, well, God wants to know what's in my house. God's wanting the man of God to know what's in my house. Amen. Her dilemma or else her problem was in her house. Her husband is missing, gone. Her sons are fixing to be gone. The problem was in her house. But Elisha's pointing out that the provision is in her house. What's in your house? I want to know what's in your house that God can use. Do you have any oil type of the Holy Ghost? Do you have any oil? Because it yanked a fightish. That's not a word. It sounded good though, didn't it? Do you have any oil in your house? Do you have any of the Holy Spirit in your house for God to use? Huh? So we go from her direction now. Listen, and we could deal with that some more, but I'm going to move on. But number, uh, whatever the next one is, her deficiency. That, that is a part of it. She wouldn't have been coming to Elisha if she had a big bank account and, you know, had a lot of supplies and everything ready to take care of business. But she comes to him and he said, what's in thy house? And here's what she said in verse number two. Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. That's all I got in the house. The pot of oil there, that word there just simply identifies that just a small oil jug or a flask of oil. Very small. So that in itself, Brother Shook, identified her, her deficiency. The size of that, that, that jug, the size of that pot, if you will. 
was showed the deficiency. But what also added to that deficiency was she said in with that statement, I don't have anything else in the house. Can you see this picture now? Cupboards are barren. Kitchen didn't have the smell of biscuits in it. All she, she said it now. I have not anything in the house except this. And she probably thought my deficiency is going to keep me from getting help. Ah. But she is going to find out, and so are we tonight, that us getting help is not based on the amount of what we got and how big we are. And Oh, no. Oh. Uh, she said not anything. That's her deficiency uh, that she spoke about. And she was really disturbed about her lack. When's the last time you got disturbed about how much spiritual lack that you have? Well, that could, be, that could be preached. That could be preached more. Ain't no doubt about that. She could have spent her time when, when he asked her what's in your house. And she could have spent her time uh, talking about the little that she has. How many, how many pastors in here spend a lot of times listening to people talk about their little? Well, I can't sing. I don't know how to play. I can't do... I, I, Preacher, don't count me and don't ask me. I can't do that. I, they're, they're so focused on the little that they have. The little that they have. She could have spent much talking about that. Amen. Her problem wasn't the, the amount that she has, but it was that her little had gotten big to her. You have to watch out now. You have to watch all this I can't do and I'm not able and other people can but I can. You have to watch that because your little, your insufficiency can get big. And that's all. You'll fall back on that. You'll depend on that to get you out of things. You'll you'll lean on your littleness. Oh, buddy. How many are stuck in your helpless, hopeless condition because your littleness is too big for your eyes. So she could have been spending time talking about the little she had. She could have spent time talking about what she used to have. Well, my husband used to be around and he used to have the ability to do this. Man, he could fix anything. Oh, he was this and he was that. He could spend all of her, she could spend all of her time not only talking about the little she had, but talk about what she used to have. Amen. She could have talked, she could have spent time talking about in her deficiency. She could have spent time talking about what she wished she had more of. Well, you know, if I'd had several barrels of oil, you know, maybe there'll be a hope for us. How many people spend their time wishing? Wishing upon a star. Huh? Amen. Listen, you spend your time wishing if you had more. Well, if I could do more, if I had more money, if I had more talent, if I had more ability, if I looked better. Well, we probably could be sufficient if we get out of that. Her deficiency. The next point, her duty. Oh, boy, right there's where Baptist gets off. That's that's it right there. Just draw the line. Just draw the line right there. He said to her in verse number 3, Then he said, Go! 
Oh, I could see her if she was an independent Baptist in, in, in 2019. He's like, oh, preacher. Oh, preacher, you want me to do something? You mean I can't get a grace miracle to where I don't have to do nothing? Good Come on now. Her duty, he said, go borrow the vessels of all thy neighbors and even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Her duty. What the preacher said, she did. Though it probably did not make sense. Yeah. How many times a preacher preached something and she thought, I don't know why the preacher preached that. He knows something you don't. That's a good way to look at it. He knows something you don't. Amen. Sometimes you have to just trust your preacher. Amen. I told our people, I said, sometimes I can't disclose everything I know about everybody. I said, sometimes you do, if I'm preaching something, you just have to say, that I, I've got confidence in my preacher. I, I believe that God's going to lead him. If he's dealing with something, there's a reason for it. And I'm not going to sell up or, or appoint myself to be a PI, a private investigator, and start trying to figure out who is it. Amen. She had an active faith. She had an immediate faith. She had a submissive faith. Amen. She had an obedient faith. What the man of God said to do, she immediately started doing. Here's you something deep. Do nothing gets nothing. Well, I don't know why God won't help me. Well, why'd you quit church? You can't quit reading your Bible and praying and going to the house of God and giving them tithes and offerings and mission, amen, and being a participant in the things that the church has got going on and expect God to help you. Do nothing gets nothing. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching, preacher. Most want, listen, everybody listening? Most want a do-nothing miracle. Get me out of this. Oh, God, get me out of this. Lord, I don't know what I need, but direct my preacher. Lord, direct my preacher on what to preach Sunday. Give me a word that'll help me. And the man of God preaches that Sunday, and you say, No, Lord, you messed up. All he was preaching about was my responsibility. He was preaching about what I'm supposed to keep doing in the storm. What I, amen, amen. Oh, yes. But most want a do-nothing miracle. They want a bailout miracle that requires to do nothing and believe nothing. Amen. Go borrow. Go, get, go gather all the vessels. Not a few. Get, in other words, that means go get everyone you can find. Go borrow everyone. I mean, she said, basically that meant was have a thorough search. Go to everybody. Don't, don't exclude nobody. Don't walk by nobody. Saying, well, they probably don't have any. She, he said, go get everything you can find. Though it's paraphrased. Go get everything. Don't borrow a few. Don't borrow a few. That was, a, that was in the text. Don't borrow a few. Elisha knew what was going to happen. She didn't. Amen. And that and listen, when the man of God says, Don't borrow a few, 
Give all you can, can. Listen, get all you can get. Give everything you've got to God. The man of God knows what's going to happen. Amen. The Bible will show us what's going to happen. You may have to do it by faith. Her deliverance. Her deliverance. The turnaround. What was a dilemma? What was was a disaster? In the making, what looked to be irreversible, what looked to be hopeless, there was a turnaround, and it came through obedience. It does matter, young people, if you're minded God, if you're obedient to the Lord. Amen. Her deliverance. Listen, she was concerned about her present needs, but God also was including his concern about her prospective needs. She was concerned about my today problems. Well, if you're not careful, you'll get so caught up in what's going on in your life right now that you'll lose focus of tomorrow and the years to come. Amen. Ain't nobody quitting, Brother Andy. Nobody quits on the Lord thinking about 10 years down the way and the judgment seat and facing Christ. No, you get so caught up in the dark clouds of your today, amen, and that there's no sunshine and it hurts and nobody cares and and all of that and then you start misreading people. You think that they're against you when they're not. You think the preacher's preaching to you and he's not. Amen. Listen. Oh, God have mercy. But God was letting her know I'm not just able to take care of your today I'm able to take care of your tomorrow. Hey, Amen. Boy, that helped me. That helped me right there. Hey, Amen. Listen to this. Her one, I got that capitalized, her one act of obedience of faith blessed the rest of her life. Did y'all get that? You saw, preach, I miss God. I didn't mind God in the service. Listen, you don't know what you're taking out of your tomorrow when you disobey God today. You don't know what you're eliminating from your future when you fail to obey God in this service. She obeyed in one act right here. And God used that to bless her family and her future. Oh boy. Her obedience even spared her sons from becoming slaves. What if she had skimped around? What if she hadn't have obeyed what God was saying through the man of God? What if she hadn't obeyed the word of God and went skimpy? Well, you know, I don't know. That's a bunch of foolishness. That preacher's telling me I need to give everything. I need to submit and surrender everything. Just that's a bunch of foolishness. I, I'm going to go out here and I'm going. Let's just use some figures to help us get our mind on it. I'm just going to. I'm, I'm just really going to go get. Ten, I'm going to get ten vessels. I'm going to go find ten vessels. I mean. After all, I probably can do that in a few minutes' time. And, you know, it's not going to be time-consuming. After all, it's going to make me look like an idiot if I go to all these neighbors. And they're saying, well, what are you going to do with all of these vessels? And, and all you've got is a little flask of oil. What do you? Amen. She could have done that. Well, I'll, you know, I'm just going to get ten. 
And then she started pouring. And she saw how easily and quickly ten got filled. And she could have said, oh, I messed up. Instead of getting ten, I should have not stopped till there was, what is our title today? Not a vessel more. Now watch this right here. Her faith was on the front end. In other words, her her act of obedience and her faith was on the front end. Everybody would have had faith on the rear end of that story. On the hindsight, everybody on hindsight looking back and saying, Wow, did you see that? That oil just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. I poured out and God was poured it in. God, I was poured it out and God was poured it in. I couldn't pour it out faster than God was pouring it in. I mean, it was just amazing. Wow, I mean, it was just wonderful. Brother uh, Jeff preached about astonished, being astonished. Can you see their eyes about this big, the sun, those two sons? And that mama, their eyes about this big. Hey, them sons was bringing them vessels in there. Mama's a pouring. Amen. That's a good Mother's Day message. Amen. Those sons was bringing vessels in there and said, Mama, just keep pouring. We got more. And I could see them every once in a while, maybe even put in a hallelujah in there. Say, hallelujah, Mama. God's going to take care of us. The creditor's going to go off over the hillside of crime. Because he's not getting the sons. But what if they only had, she only got ten. Just didn't do what God said and just skimped around. Like a lot of, a lot of church people are doing. They're not giving God everything. They're just skimping around. and Yeah, you know, well, I'll give him a little this and a little that, you know. And, you know, I'll go to the altar and I'm not going to give him everything. But I'll give him maybe one vessel or one part of my life or one piece of here and there. And, you know, I, you know I'm not really going to change. I'm just going to, yeah. And then when it's pouring day, when it's time to, to start pouring and you're going to be made aware, I have shorted my own life. Oh my, I have not only just shorted my own life and my future, there will be in the future lack because I lacked faith to obey God and submit and surrender to God. My future is going to have lack in it. Good night. But she had, even though her world was crushed, her world was turned upside down, she had enough faith. God's man said to go borrow vessels and don't borrow a few. Get every one you can find. She knew, she didn't know, Brother Andy, on the front end what God was going to do. That's why it was faith. That's why faith is involved. She didn't know what God, what God was going to do. You don't know what God's going to do. Anytime, oh yes, hey, hey, when God asks you to do something, He knows what He's going to do. And He never will ask you to do something that He doesn't have something much bigger than what He asked you to do in mind. Amen. God never moves with the temporary in mind. Brother... He never came to that woman and said, I'm going to help you on your little today problems. No, he said, 
to, through God's man, go borrow all the vessels you can find, not a few. Get every one you can find because God had the future in mind. Amen. Oh, my. Listen. And so she went and did that. She borrowed all the vessels she could find. And she, listen to this. Here's your two options. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wind her down right here. There's two options that you're going to have when you face a situation like this. The first option is come to the end and look back and knew. When, now, listen, when she come to the end and, and look back, whether she, whether she obeyed or didn't, whether she had 10 or whether she had everything that she could find, she would look back with the reality, if I'd have done more, God would have done more. And what's this, Brother Scott? She couldn't go back and, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's the pause button? Look on that flask of oil and hunt for a, 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 an off, a pause button. Quit pouring. Hold on this minute. Hold on right there. Hold on this minute, Lord. I'm going to go get some more. No, can't do that. That would have been a move of sight. Wouldn't be no faith in that. Oh, I see now, Lord, what you had in mind. Oh, I see now, Lord, that you wanted my all so you could give me your all. I see it now, Lord, but it's too late. Everybody that comes to the end of your life can look back and you will have one of two things. It will either be I wished I had. Or I'm glad I did. Nobody that obeys God and gives God everything, amen, for him to feel and meet your needs and turn your situation around, amen, will come to the end of their life and say, I wish to happen. They'll come to the end of their life and look back and say, thank God, I'm glad I did. Hallelujah. Amen. I've never met one yet that said I wished I hadn't got saved. Never. And I've never met one yet that says I wished I'd have quit. Amen. Everybody will have hindsight looking back on your life and you'll see. But it'll be too late. Because you can't flip the calendar back. Young people, listen, don't waste your youth. I don't know how many young people I've told that to in just in the last, in the last month. Personally to their face. Don't waste your youth. When your youth is gone, it is forever gone. You'll, amen. You can't flip the calendar back. You can't erase those birthdays. Listen, when you, listen, when you came birth into this world, you're headed unstoppably to the end of your life. And your life is a vapor to appear for a little time and then it vanisheth away. Play games with church, play games with your spiritual life and give God just a little little cup here and there, a little, a little something here and there. And God will feel that and say, well, that's all you give me. That's all you give me to feel and I'll feel it, I'll feel it. It won't be enough to do nothing. It won't even satisfy you. It won't meet no needs. That's all you wanted and that's all you got. Do you know, hey, do you know that's going to be the end result? God will never give you more than what you wanted. You know why you don't have and I don't have, none of us have more than we have spiritually? It's because we don't want no more. We're content. 
to live on a low level of spirituality. We're content with going to church and just having a yeah kind of service. Young people, when's the last time you left the service and you was disappointed because God didn't sit down on the youth choir when they sang? Brother, you're the song leader, right, of the youth choir. I believe you told me that before. When's the last time you was bothered if, if the youth choir went through their singing in a service and God wasn't on them? You're the leader. They're looking to you, buddy. I, I, can't understand, I can't exaggerate, preacher. I can't exaggerate how important it is to have a spiritual song leader. I mean, I mean to discern direction and have a spiritual life. Amen. Walk with God. Challenge them. Don't lead them just in singing. Challenge them. Look, hey, God wants to use us. There's nothing wrong with telling them that. God wants to use our youth choir. Brother Andy, you've heard me make this statement. I hate to run it in the ground, but my young people helps me carry the spiritual load of my church. My young people does. And I bless the Lord for it. Are you listening? But what's this turnaround? Look at the turnaround. Verse, I'm, I'm done. It came to pass that when the vessels were full, <laughs> that didn't shock Elisha, but I guarantee you it amazed her. And I promise you, as she filled one at a time until they were all full and there was not a vessel more, I'm, I guarantee you she was overwhelmed with joy that she minded God and went all the way. And, and listen, she did not know, Sister Wells, of one more vessel anywhere. She never had regret, but that she was thrilled with joy that she did what she was told to do. Amen. Watch this. She never had to face this. God who had more oil to give. If only she had provided more empty vessels. She never would have to hear God say. I could have and would have done more. If you would have provided me more to fill. God is looking for empty vessels. See that's our problem. That's our, our problem. We're wanting oil, but we're wanting it to be just poured into the mix of all that's already in our life. We're wanting a little oil mixed in with carnality and self and amen and what I want and no change on my life, no commitment on my life. Just Lord, give me a little oil. I'm coming to church. I'm not wanting to change my life. I'm not wanting you to change my future. I'm not wanting you to change my family. I just want us a little oil so I can just be a little bit oily when I leave church. So that oil will mix in with the rest. And your life's going to come to an end one day and you're going to look back and you'll say, Oh God, have mercy. I could have had more if I'd have gave more. Let's all stand on our feet. Father, we come in Jesus' name. And Lord, this family lived off of that oil the rest of their life. The oil stayed, continued, endured. Lord, I don't know who you've spoken to in this service. I don't know what young person, what mama, what daddy that you have spoken to in this service. Lord, you will not fill vessels that are not presented to you. Lord, there's some young people. There's some people in this service tonight need to come empty and say, Lord, I want to empty myself. I want to get everything out of my life. That's hindering you, that grieves you, that quenches you. I want to get everything out of my life 
so that you can fill an empty vessel. And Lord, maybe there's some mamas in here that needs to start pouring into their young people, into their children, into their daughter, into their son. There's some Sunday school teachers in here needs to start pouring, pouring out into their students in their Sunday school class. God help us, I pray, to be able to have the, the faith that says, Lord, not a vessel more. There's not a vessel more. We, we've done, we give everything we've got. We've given it all, Lord. We've all on the altar of sacrifice laid. I surrender all. And Lord, if we'll present it, you'll pour out, fill it. You'll fill it up. And we'll be able to live off of it. It'll affect our life, our family, our children. It will affect our future. Have your way, Lord. Take the message. Use it for your glory in Jesus' name.